Hi everyone, this is Raven and Campbell from Musicals, and we'd Hello. like to talk to you today about a nonprofit music education group that we are partnering with. Yep, we'd like to talk to you about Education Through Music. They partner with under-resourced schools to provide music as a core subject for all children. And they utilize music education as a catalyst to improve academic achievement, motivation for school, and self-confidence. Exactly. So they work with 52 different partner schools throughout New York City, um, and they work with them to institute sustainable music education programs by hiring qualified teachers, matching them with the school, and really equipping the teachers with the tools to succeed and be able to provide quality music education to all of the students attending that institution. So we think, you know, from this podcast, we think it's incredibly important to provide music education to all children, um, that everyone should have access to it to help, you know, really instill those lifelong passions that have been so influential for Campbell and I. So we believe that supporting this organization is the way you can support our podcast. Yep. And you can do so by going to give.etmonline.org slash boozicals. Again, that's give.etmonline.org slash boozicals. And yeah, you can really uh, help these kids if that's what you're into. Support the youths. Shut up. That's, don't, don't, don't patronize me. Okay. Uh, I don't need you Enjoy that episode. I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm Raven. I'm Campbell. And welcome to Boozicals. Boozicals is a podcast that Raven and I wanted to make where we can talk about different musicals we like. At some point for ourselves, we'll play a piece from it, critique it, and get really drunk in the process. Indeed. And once we are drunk, we will try to play one of the pieces from the musical um, off mic. And then we will come back and critique our performance again while drunk. And that just is a treat for everyone involved. Not me, though. You're mean a lot of the time. I am not mean. I am honest. Honest? Honestly, I hate you. You love me. Anyway. But okay. That's fine. Okay, so... Uh, before we get into our musical um, selection for this week, Campbell, what music have you been listening to this week? This week, uh, my Spotify Discover has been crushing it. It usually, I consider it a good week for Spotify. If I saved maybe one of the 30 songs it provides me. Okay. This week, I saved like seven Oh, wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And so the general feel for a lot of the songs is more like kind of indie bands, stuff like that. Um, Some specific ones that I then delve into more would be like the Honey Sticks uh, or Ricky Montgomery. He used the front man from it. Some of his like own single work and music kind of like that. Just easy listening kind of. 2010s indie alternative type music. What about you? Um, so largely due to uh, the musical that we chose to watch this week, which is Grease, um, I kind of got into a, I guess, old love song kind of dip this week. Um, I think because... Oh, so like a lot of like Creed. More Bette Midler, actually. 
No, okay. <laughs> um, but I, I think uh, Olivia Newton-John's uh, Hopelessly Devoted to You is just a great song that I, I oh. just love singing. Yeah. And I kind of went down a rabbit hole with it and just Wind Beneath My Wings, like all, all of those great love songs. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was what I was hopping on to this week. I don't know why I just pretended that that is a phrase for whatever I'm trying to describe, but apparently that is that is now how I'm using that term. Hopping on to. That's what I'm into now. I wasn't going to question it. I was following it. Okay. Okay, that's enough of that. Um, so this week, our musical selection was chosen by myself. Um, and so we watched Grease, which is... Boo! Rude as a bitch. <laughs> Uh, so Greece is the 1978 movie musical that is set in the 19, late 1950s. I believe it's like 1959 or something like that that it's set in. Um, yeah, like California, like California, 1959 or something like that. Yeah, but um, basically, it's a movie that kind of just embodies the sort of greaser era of the 1950s and um, a lot of that kind of like doo-wop music. Um, and rockabilly music of the of the time. Um, in the spirit of Greece and the 1950s, we are drinking what is called a gin and sen, um, which I felt was kind of a very good uh, drink for this movie because this movie is all about um, the two sort of different worlds and different personalities of Sandra D and Danny Zuko. Um, Sandra D being more of the wholesome and pure kind of innocent girl um Danny Zuko being more of the delinquent greaser um, who's into like smoking and drinking and all of that stuff so um the gin and sin uh is basically gin grenadine lemon juice and orange juice it is delightfully delicious and is going to be very dangerous for this week's episode because I don't I wouldn't say I'm already starting to feel it, but I know I'm going to feel it and feel it hard. <laughs> yeah. That is my commentary on that <laughs> statement. It's pretty good. I like it. It's definitely very different from last week where it was just a more vault like larger volume wise mm -hmm. kind of drink. So I am looking forward to that. But those kinds of drinks really really get you. So. Yeah, I'm really afraid that this one, since it is mostly just like juice and grenadine, um, I'm afraid I'm going to drink it too fast, and then we actually will have like six or seven of them, um, and then that's just going to make our playing real interesting later on. Also, health-wise, real interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah, but that doesn't on. matter as much. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay yeah of course what matters more is not our personal healths but just us playing music together that no one will hear <laughs> i mean all i'm saying is we each can handle our alcohol i feel like seven drinks is not gonna kill us my mother did raise me right so that is true indeed indeed okay so um yeah, let's start off talking about some of the kind of background and context of the movie, um, and then we can get into going through the plot and everything. Um, so the interesting thing about this movie, I was reading about it. Um, so the producer was Alan Carr, uh, who worked with Paramount Studios. Um, and I was reading a little bit about it. And the interesting thing is, at least for the time, a lot of people feel that it should have been a complete flop, um, and that it was 
basically completely saved by the producer who just like just poured a lot of hard work and everything into it um but between i think it's no secret that the cast is too old to be portraying high school students i have marked <laughs> i have marked all of it okay <laughs> don't you worry about i made in the, <laughs> at the t- that was a note i made in the first <laughs> scene of the movie like all of these people are 30 plus years old <laughs> I was like, oh, these are big-ass adults. They're like, I'm 16. <laughs> it's it's truly... I think the youngest one of the main cast was 20. It was like 20 to 38. Yeah, yeah. well... Were like the main friend groups. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that because that is just horrible. Um, obviously, it was huge. Uh, it's still super, super popular. It's played uh, by high schools mm-hmm. and just... Um, theater companies and everything all the time um yeah so the idea uh, of greece was actually originally conceived by jim jacobs and warren casey um who were uh jim jacobs was an advertising copywriter and warren casey was just a high school art teacher actually and they both were into like amateur theater in chicago um and so apparently uh i think it was jacobs or it was one of them was actually like a greaser in high school um, and they were just kind of nostalgic for the old, like, 50s type of, like, doo-wop and rockabilly music and everything. Um, and so they were like, oh, we should just mm-hmm. make a story about that. Um, and it was, the name Grease was originally meant to be an homage to, like, greasy hair, greasy food, just, like, everything kind of about yeah. the era. Um, so it actually opened in Chicago in 1971 and then was shown in New York off-Broadway uh, about a year later. And that's where Alan Carr and a couple other people that were kind of involved in the original making of the film, um, that's where they first saw it. And Alan Carr was just like, we have to make a movie of this. Like, this is great. And then he brought it to Paramount and Paramount was just like, what is this? Like, we, okay, we'll give you, like, a few dollars, yeah. um, but this is not, this is not going to be anything. Um, yeah, especially because the actual, like, bro- like the original Broadway show was a lot um, raunchier. So I heard, yeah. Um, a lot, yeah, a lot more, like, vulgar, uh, because it's interesting. This is the first time I've seen the movie, like, completely. All the other times I've seen Grease have been, like, stage productions. Interesting, okay. So... I was pleasantly surprised by the entertainment I just saw. Yeah, I, I think I've only actually seen a stage production of Grease maybe once, and I think I've only seen part of it. Um, almost every time I've seen it, it has, in fact, been the 1978 film. Um, but yeah, I, I was looking into so, some of Alan Carr's original like, vision for the film version, and I, mm-hmm. I'm going to go through a few of the notes, but I don't think it would have been as good. So first off... Danny was originally going to be a busboy and gas station attendant, and his main song was going to be yeah. "Gas Pump Jockey," which I'm I don't feel. You know the incredible <laughs> ballad, "Gas Pump Jockey." Just, it, it's no grease lightning. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Donny Osmond was a, or Donny Osmond was the Teen Angel. Um, the Beach Boys were actually going to perform "Grease Lightning," which I think could have been interesting because it is sort of like close to their style of music like it's it's kind of in there um and i love them so that's that's something i actually haven't listened to a lot of beach boys music i think probably for fairly obvious reasons um but i'm i'm (laughs) what what would that be Um, raven 
What is the fairly obvious <laughs> reason? I am very black. Uh, <laughs> 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 I, feel like, I feel like that's actually gotcha. enough. Um, and then Henry Winkler, who to some that may not have seen Happy Days, also known as the Fonz, um, was originally going to be hey. Danny, uh, but then he turned it down because he was like, I don't want to be typecast. So. <laughs> oh yeah, because it's like the yeah. same character. Yeah. <laughs> The same looking character. The Fonz was like a cool drifter, and then Danny was just like a greaser who all he all he wants to do is just dance. That's all he wants well, to do. Dance and sleep with Sandra D. Yeah. Yeah. I but dance comes before that. Indeed I it really does. believe so. He really he really loses himself in the music. Most Especially of the time, Grace so. Lightman. Like he was the one that started that whole show. All he wants to do is dance. Yeah, that's um so that's a little, a little bit of the background. I don't know if you had anything more to add um, about some of the uh, concept. Uh, nothing much. Um, yeah, that's like a lot of the similar stuff that I was reading. Yeah. Oh, uh, one of the bigger things I saw was there was at some point uh, an intention of this movie to be an animated movie. Like Interesting. Completely. I wonder yeah. if that was why Which the opening the, sequence. That's why they. Okay. It is, and that's like so they like kept like they have that um, horrifying animation <laughs> in some parts. Uh, <laughs> it was very and like I thought it was going to be very like initially like school. Yeah, rock that's what I was thinking. Kind of thing. So I was like, oh, they, these things are fine, and then they do like the mirror shots of like first the characters like looked like cartoons, they looked fine, and then mirror mm-hmm. shot looking at the reflection, and then they aged 30 years. It was... Well, okay, so I thought... I thought that the reason they did that was because they were openly admitting to the audience, yes, we know all of these people are 35, but we are pretending they're 18. Yeah, but it was very jarring to see. I was just like, ah! It's like, uh, the other night, like, I had, like, a runny nose, and I, like, woke up in the middle of the night, and then I went to the bathroom just to make sure, like, my nose wasn't bleeding or anything. Turned on the light, same kind of reaction. <laughs> what I look like at that time of night is none of my business. I... And I feel like I had a similar reaction today, so like not a day later, watching this movie. That's fair. No one, no one deserves to see what they look like at 3 a.m., regardless of whether you were awake or asleep before that point. Absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> So yeah, so we're at the introduction, um, before the animated scene, we see, uh, title characters, Danny and Sandy Mm -hmm. on the beach, just kind of very soap opera-like interactions with one another. Yeah, yeah, because there's all the drama of, oh, it's the end of the summer, you know, what's going to happen to us, you know, we're in love and we're going our separate ways and all that bullshit teenage love and drama but yeah and then we get to the um the animated scene during greece that as we have already said not well done at all uh, um i <laughs> so, some some notes i have um when we see sandy in cartoon mm-hmm. form and the way she's like animated and drawn it's <laughs> very jessica rabbit uh, it's not my fault i was just drawn this way <laughs> But she is a high schooler. She is a child. 
why are they showing a lot of like teenage girls and like bras and things like that? Also, a lot of woodland creatures live in our home. Yeah, <laughs> Very... I, was, I was interested in that because I, I didn't know if they were trying to draw like because of Sandra Dee's character being the whole like wholesome and pure and innocent, you know. I didn't know if they were trying to draw a comparison. No personality, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know they were trying to draw a comparison between her and like a Disney princess with all the little like animals, like where she's at one point literally being dressed by oh. woodland animals, which is such a Snow White thing. They 100, no, that's exactly yeah. what they were doing. It's 100%. Yeah. Which I, I, I didn't like. I thought that part was okay because it made sense for her character. I didn't like when she got out of bed and the the way they drew her, it was very obvious that you could see through her slip, which I just yes again for her being a young high school girl as a character, um, just didn't feel made me feel some type of way like I didn't feel um, okay during that scene I didn't like it <laughs> yeah. I didn't feel safe uh, because I think she was like Olivia Newton John was thirty I believe like twenty nine thirty during like this film mm -hmm. um but like come on like if the character is meant to be young let the character be young don't don't constantly remind us that they're older but at the same time throughout the movie um no one cares about the ages of these children apparently um for romantic reasons <laughs> not at all so that's very on brand yeah for some of the characters in this movie. It's also something we can get into during the school dance scene because there are many flashes <laughs> <laughs> during that scene that we can... Well, oh. we, we might get into those. We'll see. Um, no, no, we will. Because it's yeah. not okay. Um, so yeah, they're going through the animated scenes. Uh, Rizzo comes on. They all... And... Looks like animated fine... But she was the one when it turned to the mirror <laughs> and they tried, they went from, you know, seemingly high school borderline Rizzo to 10 years older yep. Stalker yes. Channing. <laughs> not even, it's not even, that's what Stalker Channing looks like currently during the movie, which was, she was 34. Mm-hmm. But if they just aged her horribly, yes, they're like, "This is what we're presenting." They distinctly added lines to her I, face. I would have been so <laughs> insulted if they're like, "Oh yeah, they, we're going to be like cartoons." Being it's like, "Oh, that's so cool," and then mirrors like, "We're going to have you like name there, great," and it's <laughs> ogre like. <laughs> it like that was the one like when. When they show John Travolta, it was just like, oh, okay, that mirror image is a little different than what you literally just drew half a second ago, but okay. And then same thing for Olivia Newton-John's, like, oh, that's a little off. And then Stalker Chaining, that was the one that I had that, like, visceral reaction to. Just like, excuse me? <laughs> just like, what? what just happened? Because <laughs> I remember, I actually... I didn't know Grease was a horror film. <laughs> I actually rewound it for a second. So I was like, am I crazy? Like, is that, was that how they were drawing her? And they just, or did they change it? Oh, I didn't, I didn't want to see that more than, <laughs> you're braver than I am. I did not want to see that more than once, Raven. And the same thing with Kaneki. Like, oh, yes. Well, granted, the cartoon version, his hair was always all over his face. You couldn't, like, see his face. It was very, like, <laughs> kind of like Captain mm -hmm. Caveman, um, if you know that cartoon. 
Just kind of the hair in your face and like a nose is sticking out. And then it's like, oh, move the hair up. And you're a gargoyle. <laughs> I definitely see that. For an attractive yeah. man, why? It's like if you took the meanest character artist you found on some like shitty boardwalk <laughs> and you're like, hey, you want a job in Hollywood? And he was like, fuck you. That's my reply. And then he did the job. But, I mean, great, great song going through that, like, intro and, like, opening credits. Oh, yeah, the um, Grease song is The song is was really good. written by Barry Gibb. Yeah, uh, Peter Frampton on the guitar. Frankie uh, Vallis uh, mm-hmm. sings it. And I'm talking a lot of shit about it. I liked it. I thought it was good. The animated <laughs> scenes specifically of the whole movie. was entertained. But the animated scenes. I thought it was really fun. I enjoyed seeing it. Yes, some parts were jarring, but overall, I did like it. That's fair. I just talk a lot of shit. That's fair. I think I like it more because of the song than anything else. Um, I think I think the animation itself is okay. Like I think the scene itself is okay, but it was like a fun yeah. Music I, video. I did I did think it was interesting um, that that was how they chose. You saw a lot of the topical things during yeah, the time, and I also think like the just that song in particular. Um, just like them using that as kind of like the introduction to like, hey, this is now 50s greaser era, you know, this is what this movie's all about, you know, like, it was very obvious, like, hey, this is setting the context and setting the... I thought it was a good way to go about it. They could have made the mirror images literally the same as they were before they looked at them. Yes! I don't know why they changed them! (laughs) But that's, I don't think that we're ever going to get an answer to that, so... Yeah. Also, I'm That's nearly okay. done with my first so, drink, then and we I get don't know to... how to slow down. I don't know where uh, you are. I'm, I'm like, I've only had like half of it. It's a small drink. Yes, but it tastes so good. Slow down. At least wait for me to finish this That's drink fair. until we're both drunk, and, and then we just drink go out a lot. The window. So at least in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so they get to the high school. <laughs> um, Rydell High. Um, I... Named after Bobby Rydell, who's like a teen idol of the late 1950s, 1960s, I'm assuming. And you see the T-Birds, um, quote-unquote high school students. all grown men. Who just... Uh, well, one of them definitely looks the youngest, and I looked up his age, and he was by like over a decade. But it's just so funny when they and like Danny and Konecki like introduce themselves to the into the audience and like everyone they look just like a bunch of narcs yes in a high school (laughs) (laughs) that is what they are I thought of like um, I I forget what it's from I was like were they undercover cops I forget what it's from (laughs) but Steve Buscemi in that meme that's just like hello fellow it's from 30 Rock <laughs> with yeah. the skateboard. Yeah, it's from 30 Rock. Um, so this is two episodes in a row that we're talking about 30 Rock, and I can tell it's going to be a thing. Yes. Every single but, episode. Yeah, they, they just look like Also, Also, um, I don't know if this was... Especially Sonny. Oh, Sonny 100%. Sonny is the oldest one. He's got to be the oldest one. We'll go over ages later. I mean, he's the second oldest. Rizzo is older than he okay, is. Okay, that makes sense. But she also, just like the second you look at her, she's like, that is a grown woman. That is not a teenage girl. That is not even yeah. a woman in her 20s. That yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine. Um, okay, yeah, so we 
get into the first scene where they're at the high school and we're introduced to the T-Birds, the pink ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, we see... Yeah. Love Frenchie. Frenchie's amazing. What a very nice girl. She honestly is. And like... She is so nice. Just like, oh, new girl. I was like, I'll help you out. And Sandy's like, do I look okay? And Frenchie was like, yeah, fine. It was obviously <laughs> yes. lying. But she's, she's just so... <laughs> like, throughout the entire movie, she's so sweet. I really like Frenchie. Um, yeah, so we, we get into yeah. Frenchie meeting Sandra D and then kind of introducing her to all of her friends as well, which then, of course, leads us into Summer Nights, which is, what at this point, the... Well, the second song sung by the cast, at least, um, in the movie. Yeah. And I think the first... Well, before that, we do get, like, some major plot points. Like, we do see... Um, the front office and how the national bandstand is going to be like coming to the high school and things like that. We do see Blanche. (laughs) What a character. Oh, Blanche is also amazing. Yeah. Also is questionable with some of the students at the dance later. Very much so. But yeah, then we like, yeah, but yeah, go on. Yeah. And I think, um, (laughs) fully interrupting. I think summer nights is the, beginning of some of the troublesome language that we hear throughout the movie um so summer nights is basically just a song where sandra d and danny are separated like with their friends the t-birds and the pink ladies and they're talking about what they did over the summer and the whole summer romance summer fling that they had and at this point neither of them are aware that they are now attending the same school. So they both think that this summer romance is kind of over forever. Um, And, and this song is also really good at setting the personalities of a lot of the characters, like on the women singing side, Rizzo was, uh, was like saying right before there's no such thing as love. She's like kicking people around. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, she probably believes that she probably was divorced many times. (laughs) before that (laughs) she's old enough for it as the character rizzo yeah um not the actress i think she was divorced a few times anyway um yeah and i also think then like the other the guy characters or like the women characters uh they were various like oh tell me more that's so romantic things like that and then the guys are just being like you know predators did you yeah like did you sleep with her was she good and this is where i get a problem because did Did she she put put up up a a fight fight? (laughs) which is just so many like there's no time to unpack all of that statement but there's just so many things wrong with that one line um but and like like come on kaneki like you're so old like the teachers they're like they've been he's been longer here than i am even without any kind of intention, harm, anything like that, what you do in this high school is statutory regardless. Yes. <laughs> Just because, like, at this point, it is well established that you are no longer under 18. You are easily over 20 years old. So just being, like, looking at any student in the school, automatic statutory rape. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, I do think overall... Um, and, and granted, there's definitely a lot of exaggeration and um, hyperbole to it, but I think the song really kind of sets the, like, illustrates the differences between the kind of, like, male and female perspective, at least as viewed through the social lens of the 50s. And, like, the idea of, yes, women, uh, like, girls are, like, supposed to be, like, innocent, wholesome, and pure, and enjoy, like, holding hands and drinking sodas together and stuff like that. Whereas, like, 
boys will be boys and like they want to fuck you know so (laughs) yeah and what this movie what this song also does is sets up the uh internal conflicts of both the main characters in dealing with peer pressure Mm -hmm. because it's like all the other characters they're all that really danny and sandy were talking about was like oh yeah i met someone who i'm like i she was pretty great he was pretty great i was like crazy about them and then everyone's like, oh, tell me more. Did you do this? Did you do this? You should have done yeah. this. Oh, it, but is he like this? Does he have a car kind of thing? So initially it was like something to them, like very pure, very um, like romantic as we see in the very opening of the movie. But then you put into that, you know, United States educational mm-hmm. system. and Like everything else, it just, it everything just goes real bad. Um, Which honestly is what this movie is about is taking uh, a teenage girl, quote-unquote teenage, (laughs) from another country and seeing how America ruins them. I I support that interpretation. I support it wholeheartedly. Um, One of the things I I really like about this musical number is how... um, you, you, You did talk about how it sets like sets up like the peer pressure and everything that you see but also specifically how it shows for danny how he kind of is different with and without his friends um which obviously gets established yeah. shortly after in some of the subsequent scenes but how at the end of the scene um during the last uh verse he, like of walks the away song, and yeah, he's like walking away from his friends yeah. and you see him uh kind of change in his demeanor and the things he's talking about are very different. You can see like when he's with his friends, there's a lot of bravado. There's a lot of like, oh yeah, I definitely slept with her. Like it was great, like blah, 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 blah. Um, but then as he walks away, she's like, no, I actually really like her. Like she's a really sweet girl and I want to just spend more time with her and I, ho- I wonder how she's doing, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, I thought it was really good for that as well, um, which I think also gives yeah. Danny's character, like it's the beginning of giving, of giving Danny's character more depth throughout the movie. Yeah, because, well, initially, um, this musical and this movie seemed to me like a traditional, uh, I can change Mm -hmm. him kind of vibe, which is completely reversed. Yes, because it goes from... Danny's like, I can change for her... And then she's also like, I could change for him. I I could develop a personality. (laughs) She has a personality. Her personality is reacting to other personalities. I can see that. Yes, that's fair. I've never done this before. I'm scared to do these things. It's like, I mean, peer pressure, huge problem. I understand like that kind of like being scared in things. But that's it. (laughs) That's all she goes off of. And there's this guy I like over the summer one time. (laughs) Also, she can like eat a cheeseburger and have a milkshake at the same time. That's not, that's not a personality trait. Also, she didn't eat the cheeseburger, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Which I was, pers- <laughs> I was personally offended by. So anyway, um, so now there's like the pep rally bonfire fully hanging a, an opposing, like a rep, uh, representative... Like Effigy. dummy of the opposing they team. Bur- they burned. They Effigy. burned their. That's the word. Their rival team. They burned it. One hundred percent. Yep. That's that's. Which is just um, the fact um, that no one, no authority figure, no adults had any issue with that. Um, 
really could... It was the 50s. That's fair, I suppose. Really concerned me, at the very least. It, it, it's... Oh, yeah, I mean, it's always concerning, because it's bad, but it's fine. I also think it's interesting that at no point, so they establish that there is, that the scorpions are their rival, and that they don't, at least that the greasers don't like the scorpions, but at no point do they give any, like, flesh that out at all, um, with the exception of the character Leo, who really, all he does is just drive around in a car that at some point dances with Rizzo. At, like, at no point, I don't think he even has any lines. But he has a nicer car. It, it doesn't matter. It, uh, he has a nicer car. It's, it's a status thing. That's fair. Raven. That's what it, that's what it, that gets into. I think it's interesting, like. Because they have that piece of crap, Grease Lightning that's car. That's fair. But I think it's interesting that I think it's character outside of the Thunder Road scene. I think his character has one line in the entire movie, which is when he pulls up with, uh, next to Rizzo and I think Marty. Um, and I think he says like, yeah. I don't remember what he says, but he says like two words at them. And that those are all of the things he says outside of the Thunder Road scene. He lets us drive and do the talking. Also, what... As in, he's a loser. <laughs> what is the whole thing? Like, the... I don't even know what it's called, but when he drives, and then there's, like, fire that goes out of the back of his car. Uh, it's called having style, <laughs> Raven. It's a lifestyle, and I don't think that's something you would ever understand. Rude. I just don't... Okay, I feel like, again, I feel like I feel like we're this is kind of like when we were talking about boats in the last episode in sailing, which neither of us know about. Ooh, let me finish. Okay, took you long enough. We are now making. I finished before you. I paused for you because you were behind, sir. You leave the week behind. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are now making drink number two. Um, I'm not measuring this time. I measured. I always measure the first one, but I like remember about like how much volume total it is, and there's four ingredients, so I think I can swing it. Yeah, I didn't even measure the first time. Probably should have, but I mean, the end result was delicious. I'm not mad at it. Oh, that tastes the exact same. Good job, Campbell. You don't need to measure anything. Thank you. I'm add a little bit more gin. Anyway, effigy. They're at, they have an effigy. And then we see Rizzo in typical mean girl fashion. It's like, we got a surprise for you, cheerleader Sandy. And brings, um, the pink ladies bring her over to the T-Birds. So that Danny and Sandy can meet again. Super excited. Initially, Danny was like, what are you doing here? My love? And then, you know, peer pressure, and then he was like, oh, trying to be cool. And Sandy's like, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah. She should have just like, uh, you're a fucking phony, and I don't fuck with that. Yeah. Well, not in so many words, but. And then we get into the slumber party <laughs> scene, uh, which also has the musical number, uh, Look at Me, I'm Sandra D. Uh, which I think. I love that song. I do also, but I also love every so single much. song in this movie, it except is... for Sandy. So I feel like that, my my opinion doesn't matter as much. Yeah. Also, Twinkies and wine. Why haven't we done that? I don't before? know, but I feel like we need to start We're on doing to something. That. Yeah. Jan's right. It is a dessert wine. It's fine. I haven't had a Twinkie in years. I They still make them, right? I've only ever I've never even had a full Twinkie. I've like tasted one, 
one time. Like, I think I've had, like, one bite of a Twinkie once in my life. It was not a thing I ate growing up. So, so we're at the sleepover, and again, it's uh, the pink ladies um, get more into, like, their different personalities. Like, Jan, she eats a lot. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what she's about, uh, junk food and stuff like that. Uh, Marty has her pen pals. Frenchie is, talks about, like, her dreams of being a beautician, and Rizzo's just mean. And then... Sandy's there and just like you know was really it was really nice of her Frenchie to invite her and stuff and they're like yeah immediately like join us like uh, we'll pierce your ears like drink some wine stuff like that uh smoke the cigarette and Sandy is just adversely affected by all of it immediately mm -hmm. so then she's like from a sip of wine and a puff of a cigarette needs to throw up which Rizzo uh we assume from jealousy of the attention she's getting from Danny Zuko, her former lover, uh, puts on a wig, immediately looks like a mother. Like, yes. I would believe after, after the wig gets put on, her name is now Karen. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And then starts singing, um, look at me, I'm Sandra D. basically... It's like, look, I'm, uh, I have no personality. I have nothing going for me. I'm just pretty face. Oh, what will I do without a man? Which is really mean. But from what we have gone off the movie so far is not out of reality. Fair enough. Which may be a hot take. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think that song gives you a lot of compassion for Sandra D because you see like oh these girls are making fun of her but they're like supposed to be her kind of supposed to be her friends you yeah know? yeah but at the same time as the movie goes on you see Sandy herself start to not necessarily have doubts about herself but you see the the lack of confidence and the lack of um I mean granted like not everyone is up for adventure and going crazy and all this other stuff but yeah she's a she is a new girl at a new school in a different country yeah you know it's it's natural to be a little and unsure some of these girls little... are yeah i agree with you 100 percent. yeah and i but i think as the movie goes on you kind of see that the reason that song hits such a sore spot for her is not so much just because oh they're making fun of me but a lot of the things rizzo was hinting at were very uh, it's, true so and it's what sandy herself is kind of feeling and also it it all comes from insecurities that they have with themselves absolutely like those like the different lines that each of the girls have i think is very reflective of you know things they're not confident in their own right and they're just pro up, they're just projecting onto Sandy. Yes, yes, and and I think um, whether or not that was the original intention with the script, I think that is one of the great things about this movie, and maybe one of the reasons it was it became so popular, um, despite so many other bad things about it, um, is that it is really good at kind of reflecting, sort of that teenage high school. Um, insecurity and lack of confidence and lack of knowing who you are uh, it really shows like yes this is how a lot of people feel in high school and have to deal with these issues and a lot of times yes 
teenagers do project and uh, which just causes more drama and more issues and all that stuff. I think it's a very good snapshot of people at that age in, in some cases. Yeah, 100%. And then, uh, so after the song, Sandy's like, are you making fun of me? Uh, one, obviously. Yes. They literally say, look at me, I am your Sandra name. D. Yes. Sandra D. It's like, oh, it's like, are you making fun of me? Like, what it's more? Like, look at me, I'm a, I'm a dumb bitch named Raven Smith. And then you'd be hey. like, is that a personal, is that a personal attack <laughs> on me? No, we're talking about another Raven Smith right now. Who um, happens to look exactly like you and do the same things you do. Yeah. And then, uh, I was about to say Karen. Rizzo <laughs> takes off the wig. No longer Karen. Um, the T-Birds show up at Frenchie's house and, like, try to get some of the girls to, like, go with them. Mm-hmm. Adventure. Mm. And Rizzo, an adventure? Rizzo says, like, uh, it's like, I, she says something like, uh, I gotta get going while I'm still young enough to get them. Yes, some of those lines. Is the line. Something line. I was like, "Ma'am, you're not 18. <laughs> you're. She is. She is so talented as an actor. Like I can see why she got this role over everyone else. But just those lines of saying, it was like, oh, I'm still young in the context of like high school. Mm-hmm. Like she was 34. That's super young. Yeah." Time's yeah, in terms real. of the context of just being but an like adult, in the context yes, of it young. is but yeah. in the context of high yeah. school, you are no longer <laughs> at all. So yeah, so she leaves, and then Danny like sulks off, um, and then Kaneki and Rizzo, and then the rest of the boys start driving. Which I do want to say kicks out the rest of the boys. One of the things I find really interesting, um, and I don't know if this was an acting choice by Stockard Channing. Who I love, um, or if it, oh I love music, um, or if it was intentional. Um, but I really like when Rizzo first goes out to meet the boys, and she's like talking to Kaniki and looking at him. Like to me, the way she looks at him, there's a lot of emotion in that, and I, I like it. Seems like she really, it's genuine. Yeah, it seems like she really does like like and really does care about him, and I think. Um, one of the things I like about this movie and some of the, at least Rizzo's character, I guess character arc, if we want to call it that, um, throughout the movie, you kind of learn more about um, Rizzo, especially when it gets to her own song. Um, and I think that's one of the things yeah. that, at least Dr. Channing does a really good thing about showing about Rizzo is that, yeah, she has this hard exterior and all this stuff, but she really, um, she really does have feelings and emotions and she's, a high yeah, school she girl. just wants to be loved. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. and I, I really like the way she's able to make that come across. Under the same pressures of every other girl. Yes, and I think if, like, her playing Rizzo, I think, was really what the, the role needed to be able to show the actual depth of Rizzo's yeah. character. Because otherwise, she just comes she... across, honestly, as a bitch. And she's not really when you get into her own perspective, I think. Yeah. I agree. So they leave, and then um, we get into the next song um, by Sandy, uh, Hopelessly Devoted to You. Love it. 
where she just re reflects on her summer love and the conflicting feelings she still has, even though he treated her like garbage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the lyrics of Hopelessly Devoted to You um, are really interesting in showing Sandy's perspective on it. Um, and it really also gives more insight into how she's feeling because like the chorus of it goes, but now there's nowhere to hide since you push my love aside. Um, I'm out of my head, hopelessly yeah. devoted to you. And I think... Yeah, like you, it's, it's, it's a great song um, for a feeling of you really put yourself out there in front of everyone. Yes. And regardless what happens, you're still there with everyone. Everyone yes. sees it. And I think especially for Sandy's character at the time, because again, yes, she's a new girl at a new school in a new country with all new people, you know, feeling incredibly vulnerable and insecure and um, kind of lost yeah. herself. And now she finds what should be this uh, kind of safe space with this guy that she knew and loved over the summer and thought loved her and thought like okay now everything might be great because i have him back and now even that's torn away from her supposedly um and, yeah. and so i think just the the lyricism of that song um really does a great job of highlighting exactly how she's feeling and portraying that to the audience which is the point of lyrics so yeah yeah i really like that song um it was very I think what that song does a good job, and like what you're saying before with like some of the uh, music you were listening to this week, um, those kinds of like grand love ballads, you really you're really caught up in the moment of it mm -hmm. that you're really kind of ignoring everything else that's going on, and I think they definitely poke fun at that when like the letter she writes is in the water. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the song, it's just a kiddie pool. Yeah. <laughs> it looks. I actually I forgot that it was a kiddie pool. But that's what that that because when they when they were showing that scene, like. It, well, you don't. You don't see the kiddie pool in the beginning. You only see it at the yes, end of the song. Yes, right? you only see it at the end. And I'm saying because I had seen the movie before, but I forgot. Yeah, oh, when when no. they first like showed the water and showed the letter in the water, like. I forgot, like, oh yes, this is a kiddie pool, um, and it's always a surprise when they pan out at the end. But that's what well-written songs do a really good job mm -hmm. of is bringing you into the moment they want you yes. to. And I, I feel like in that moment and in that scene, you really feel what Sandy is feeling. Um, yeah. Is the next scene... Um, the make-out point. Yes, because Kaniki and Russo had points. Yeah, okay. Um, Betty. Okay, yes. So in the next scene, um, Kaniki and Rizzo, we see them at what is very clearly a makeout point for a lot of presumably other high schoolers um, with cars and everything. And we see them attempting to get it on, as some would say, in the backseat of Kaniki's new, with heavy quotations, new to him, car. And I, I do love find funny is uh the part yeah where rizzo's just like oh call me by my first name and he's very obvious he's like um he's like uh, uh and she's like B 
Betty. And he's like, oh, yeah, Betty. He's just like, boy, come on. Yeah, we get a conflict with one of the scorpions, Crater Face. Mm -hmm. I assume the head of the scorpions, the only scorpion. Crater Face because it was acne scars? That's what they call him. That's. His name is Leo. They literally call him Crater Face. Yes, and it's rude because I feel like it's because of his acne scars. No, it 100% is because of his acne scars. He's just so mean. I'm just telling you the character's name. His name is Leo. Well, he should... Okay, Creative Face, a.k.a. Leo. And at that point, like, uh, he's with Cha-Cha, right? Yes. Yeah. Anything else we want to talk about that scene? Not that scene, no. Yeah, it's kind of forgettable. Like, in It's total. just like a short scene. Like, it doesn't even really... The only slightly significant thing from that scene is that it does establish that Rizzo and... Well, I don't know if Rizzo and Kaneki even actually did end up sleeping together in that scene because of the whole thing with Leo. No, they do. It's implied. Okay. Yeah, because I remember... uh, I think the only point of that scene really is to establish that they did have unprotected sex. Therefore, he could be why Rizzo was pregnant. Rizzo's pregnant? (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) So we are now uh, moving on to our third drink. Uh, we are not very far into the movie, so I feel like we either need to speed up our narration or slow down our drinking. Yeah. Well, oh, I put too much gin in there. Uh, no such thing as too much gin. Uh, three different gin buckets would beg to differ. <laughs> <coughs> too much gin, audience. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, buddy. Woo! Um, okay, so okay, we, have, we have finished so, the makeout scene. Um, okay, so so is this a school auto shop? I is this think like a so. class they I take? I think Miss Murdoch is like I an think auto so shop too. teacher. Okay, Miss Murdoch should have her teaching license revoked. <laughs> Here's why. <laughs> Go off. First off. It's like, okay, it's really cool that you're, like, working on actual cars and, like, you know, things like that. She fully admits knowing that these parts were stolen. Oh, true. Later on, on the street race, she was like, of course I'll be there. Oh, yeah. So she's like, oh, so it's a school-sanctioned street race? I mean, just because a teacher is present does not mean it is sanctioned. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yes, it does. <laughs> Yes, it does, though. I think... Pretty cool teacher, though. I think she's just trying to support her students and get them excited. Because she knows they're not going to college. (laughs) And get them excited and involved in in their classwork. I think that's that's all she's working for. Yeah. Um, But also, I want to talk about... Because... But the classwork was done when they finished the car. That's fair. The street race was extra... It was extra credit. They were show- they were demonstrating their further knowledge of how a vehicle runs by being able to race it. By having a death match <laughs> with a fellow high school student. Correct. <laughs> anyway. Um, but speaking of the, the, the grease so, lightning scene, now that we're there. Grease lightning. So, yeah, we're now at the song. So, one, grease lightning is just, I think it's, I think it's, well, it's. Just about sex. Oh, yes. And uh, we will talk about how. That song alone, there are other things, but that song alone makes this movie inappropriate for children. But um, I think that song, first off, 
it's important that we note that when the T-Birds break out into song and dance, there are other mechanics, if it's a mechanic shop, and students, if it is a school auto shop. Um, Which it seems like yes. it is. Oh, paper cut. There are other students just standing in the background, staring at them like, what are you doing? And Miss Murdoch... Some of them dance, some of them don't. I love Miss Murdoch is, at least the, at that I saw, she's the only one that's like into it. All the other students are just like, what is happening? Why are you dancing in auto shop? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think for, for the purpose of the movie as being reminiscent of the 50s era and like doo-wop, rockabilly, even though those are two different things. It was very, it was very doo-wop. Yes. Um... And I think, like, for that purpose, while it's not my favorite song of the movie, I think it's the most Grease movie. Like, it is the... It, or the most Grease song. Like, it is the song that is most it has indicative grease, of what the movie is supposed grease to be. It has Grease in the name. Yeah. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. And uh, this is one of the more choreographed... Well, one of the more, like, first choreographed songs... Mm-hmm. So it was very much, again, how a lot of these film adaptations do, pulling you back into the musical aspect of it. Yes. I do think we need to talk about, once again, how the lyrics of the song are just very problematic. Granted, again, thinking about the era, you know, I understand it. But just, especially looking back, so many issues. And... Also, again... Like what? <laughs> um, the chicks will cream for Grease Lightning. That line alone, entire movie is unacceptable for children. <laughs> um, okay, so after so, the Grease Lightning scene... Um, they're at the Frosty Palace. Yes. I... I feel like before... Okay, so I think this is a really good initial scene. A lot of the some of the songs and a lot of the plot takes place in this diner and i think we initially see Kaneki's more um soft side before danny and him enter Kaneki was like it's like oh hey man are you feeling all right about sandy yeah are you good and Danny's like, oh, yeah, peer pressure. It's like, oh, totally fine. It's whatever. And Kaneki was like, oh, I was having a genuine moment. But okay, yeah. let's go in. Yeah. No. Which, I actually really like Kaneki's character. Um, I think yeah. similar to Rizzo, like, he definitely has a hard side. But, like, similar to that that brief moment at the beginning of this scene with Danny, um, I think he definitely does, like, want to be a good friend, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Really, the, the scene, I think, I think the main thing that the scene serves to show um, is really just what, like, shows Danny what Sandy wants from him in that she's now dating mm-hmm. this other guy who is just standard, like, athlete, you know, presumably upstanding guy, does well in school, blah, 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 same type of character as Sandy herself, uh, but just, like, the guy version. Um yeah. 
So no personality. Dude, he definitely does not have a personality in the entire movie. You j- Okay, so you were fighting me on this so far. But you were saying, like, no, she does have a personality. But you just said, this guy doesn't have a personality. And it's the male version of her, so... Well, I think she at least develops one. By the transitive property of trickery, she, I win. She at least develops one. It remains to be said if he did. Yeah, I yes. agree. Um, but yeah. But just say I was right initially. You know I cannot admit that. You say it. I will not move on until you say it. So anyway, I really like when um when the two- we we've we played waiting games. I'm going to interrupt you. We played waiting games before Raven, and I have won. I have let you take a pause. Tell me I'm right about Sandy's no character. Fine. So, would you rather be Fi- wrong? Fine, Campbell. You were right. In this one instance. In this one instance. In this one instance. I know that will make it easier for you to digest, and I appreciate it. I will now hold this over you for life. I hate you so Continuing much. Continuing on. <laughs> okay, Frosty Pilots. <laughs> um, Continue, Raven. I do, I do kind of like the interaction between... Danny and Sandy um, at, at the, the jukebox because that's the entire meat of this. Like the scene doesn't exist without that. Um, but yeah, like Danny just walks around the back of the booth. And Patty yells his name quite loudly, and still none of his friends seem to put together that he is at the jukebox with Sandy. Well, well, the camera wasn't on them. I'm sure they knew. That's fair. But yeah, I I think that like in in general, like the scene really just serves to show like hey, this is the type of guy that Sandy is looking for because this is the type of person that Sandy is. And I think, like, really the whole movie, um, like, we've already talked about how they kind of learn to want to change for the other person. But I think also the movie is just about how, like, over vacation, they were maybe the most casual version of themselves. And then it really shows how, like, especially mm. being around the other people that do actually know or presume that they know you. Now that you're back into society. Yes. You're not in, like, the bubble, the summer bubble that you were. Exactly. And, and one of the things... How are you going to And one of the things I think about is that, like, I think the movie tries to make it seem like Danny is the main one that changed. Like, Danny's this bad boy greaser, but when he was on vacation, he was this, like, soft-hearted romantic. Oh, no, he was always, he was always a softy. Yes, like, even in, even in the movie, they showed, like, yes, he's, he's a romantic at heart and stuff like that. But I think also it's fair to say, that, like, maybe Sandy was also a little different. Like, maybe um, Sandy was a slightly different version of herself, you know, and that's why, like, they both had to learn to kind yeah. of change for each other a little bit. Especially yeah. like Sandy, like if they were if they were on vacation at the beach, like Sandy wouldn't might not have been like um, the same like kind of vulnerable and secure, you know, being in a new school, new place, all that stuff. Like maybe she was a little more confident version of herself, which um, is maybe like as we get to like the end of the movie, um, that's one of the things that Danny like likes about her after she tries to kind of like change herself a little bit to be with him. So like I think the main thing is that she really finds the confidence again. Um, and I think that's, yeah. that's one of the, if it's not, even if it's not intentional, I think that should be one of the big messages of the movie. But yeah, I, I, I think, think so. I think the scene, this first scene at the Frosty Palace really just kind of starts to start setting that up, start setting up that story arc. 
Yeah. And then Sandy makes a point saying, like, at least the guy she's on a date with does something. Mm -hmm. Like, he does sports. He does something. Which, then we go into Danny who's like, oh, I'll do sports. Which sports are a thing. My favorite part in this entire movie is Danny picking a sport. Is trying to play sports. (laughs) Not, okay, he doesn't know how to dribble for basketball. He gets distracted by uh, the catcher Mm -hmm. and the umpire in baseball. Wrestling. Weight classes exist. Yes. And there's no reason he'd be put with the biggest guy there. Also, I love the fact... You can tell that he's like, yeah, I don't know about sports. I just want to dance. Yes. It's very clear. I also love the fact that... It's like reverse high school musical. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I love the fact that with every sport, he just keeps hitting people. And the coach eventually is just like, okay, let's try sports where you literally do not touch another human being. (laughs) Which... The Coach Calhoun is such a good educator. He was like, yeah, this student like has a need. Um, obviously, it's going to be positive progression mm-hmm. of himself. I will find an outlet for this. Yeah, and he actually like, really works with him. And it's just like, let's find the best thing for you. Yeah, that's, that's one of my favorite parts in the movie. So eventually, Danny is on a track team. He just runs. Yes, yeah, because that's all he can do. And he's... Without hitting other people. First time he's doing, like, the hurdles, he makes most of them. He actually did really very good. impressive to me. Um, so then, what was the next step? So after that, um, he's running, he runs into Sandy, and then the, the next big scene, at least, and, and is um, the back, back at, at the, the Frosty, Frosty Palace. Because then we have... And they, like, have a date that turns into a double date that turns, that turns into, into a triple date that turns into... Group. Yeah, just, like, hanging out. And I feel like at this point, because you referenced it earlier, um, that Danny's so impressed, she was like, I'll have the same, which is just like a cheeseburger with all the toppings. And a milkshake. Uh, and a, uh, what is it, a cherry cola with ice cream. Yeah. So like a, a float. And she's just like, yeah, I'll have that too. And he was like, oh, you're so different. You're not like all the other girls. You eat. <laughs> you eat food. But then... She didn't eat food. (laughs) Well, because... They left and those cheeseburgers were untouched. Well, they didn't have to pay for it, so... (laughs) Which blew my mind, because they straight up just walked out. Yeah. Um, But yeah, and then, of course, because Frenchie is, like, the last one at the... so there's some other there's oh. some other dynamics between the other kind of couples in the movie, but I feel like since neither none of them are the main couple, we can kind of touch on them later at the end. Um, but yeah, so then after all the other people leave, there's Frenchie left alone at the Frosty Palace, and so then we have I love this scene, love Beauty it. School Dropout, which is just it's like every time I I hear the song or watch the movie. It's almost like I forget how great that song and that scene is, but it's so awesome. And it's like the teen angel, Frankie Avalon, um, very prolific entertainer. Elvis declined this role. Really? He was considered for the teen angel in this scene. Interesting. Okay. I feel like I, I, yeah. feel like I could have seen that. I, I do think Frankie Avalon did a great job at it. I could have seen yeah. Elvis, but it definitely would have given it a different vibe. Also, like. another th- another thing. So, um, uh, Dinah Manoff, uh, who plays Marty. Mm-hmm. Fun thing I found out. 
She is not in. She can't dance. She is, she is in none of the dancing scenes. Oh wow. Marty is in none of the dancing scenes. Like she just has no rhythm. And whatsoever. she was the apparently, and she was the youngest of the cast. She was twenty. Oh. The next was uh, Putsy Kelly Ward, who's twenty two, who was a co-writer of All Dogs Go to Heaven too. Oh wow! Oh, I loved All Dogs Go to Heaven. And he's a he he was a showrunner for like a lot of animated series, films, things like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah, I remember like, during the school dance scene, Marty was off with uh, the TV show host. We're gonna get to it. <laughs> Say no more, fam. Um, we're gonna get to it, but yeah. Beauty School Dropout. Frankie Avalon did a great job. He had a fear of heights, so they put mattresses Aww. on the sides of the stairs that he would have to descend. Oh, that's great. To help with that. But yeah, he had a he had a fear of heights. Okay, so I think the term teen angel is an incorrect description for his character. Um but given the... What do you mean? He was only 39. <laughs> given the respective ages of the rest of the main cast, I think it, it's fair. Um, but I I honestly think that song is just so great because he's straight up just like, hey, you've dropped out of beauty school after what couldn't have been that long because the entire movie just spans one school year. So it couldn't have been that long. Um, you dropped out of beauty school. I think school. it was just one semester. Yeah, because they're like it's a new semester. Yeah, I think, but but at the beginning, so I think of the it's movie, only like the second half. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, she spins. She, at least she's at Rydell for the first day of school, at the very least. So presumably, oh yeah, yeah you're right. So presumably, right. she started at Rydell, then went to beauty school, then dropped out, in what couldn't have been a very long time. But I, I like, and that song is the best juxtaposition of any like known tropes before because this like oh what's the song it's like her angel her angel her angel um or like if even the song like my girl like is a very like the sound of it is very putting the woman on like a pedestal Mm -hmm. oh yes kind of thing but the lyrics are you're so dumb Go back to high school. Because there's nothing else you can do with your life. You ugly woman. You're bad at what you do. <laughs> yep. You have dreams. You have no drive. Go back to school. There's nothing you else you can do with your life. He should have said, like, there's yeah, like, you'll you never do hold down a job. This is not the life cut out yeah. for you. Like, you're not, you're not for this. Anyway, it's just it's such a good song because it's in the tone of... You know, that, like, doo-wop, like, all the songs are. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, he's Teen Angel. He, uh, she's like, Frenchie's like, oh, give me a sign. Give me a sign, God, that what I'm doing, I'm doing right. And then, like, from the heavens, it comes down. You're dumb as shit. <laughs> Go back to and school. And, like, even the very beginning of the song, it's like you think, oh, this is going to be this uplifting thing. And it's like, nah. Girl, you cannot make it in the real world. This is not for you. Go back to school. It's the best thing you will do with your life. They literally say, don't end up a hooker. Yes. Yes. Which, like, not to, like, dismay, like, any, like, you know, sex workers or anything like that. But, like, in they're like, hey, you don't know what you're doing. You need to go back to high school. Mm-hmm. You're in over your head. Mm-hmm. 
And then she's just like, you know, longingly looking at these angelic people. Is like really listening in, and they're like, You're an idiot. And she was like, Uh huh. <laughs> and next, what? Continue. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, great song. So then I think the next big thing, I forget exactly what it's way like they a few, mo- but it's like a few montages. Like, it's like before the dance. Yes. Uh, before the National Bandstand. Which is based off of, like, you know, like, Dick Clark's, like, American Bandstand. Mm-hmm. It's Dick Clark, right? I believe so, yeah. yes. American, yeah, American Bandstand. And so there's different scenes, people getting ready for it. They're like, oh, they're not, I'm not going to get a date and stuff like that. And that's um, when Rizzo, that's when Rizzo seemingly yeah. hooks up with Leo. With Leo, with Crater Face. No, his name is Leo. He's the villain. He's the villain. He's, you call him by his villain He name. has, like, two lines in the entire movie. Two lines too many, Raven. Oh, gosh. He's the antagonist. So, yeah, the, so they're, like, getting ready for the dance. And then they get to the dance. Um, originally, it's just um, everyone's, like, kind of dancing, having fun. The band is, like, pretty great. Johnny Consino and the Gamblers. What a great band name. Yes. They were, they were really good. I like the music. I do want to say, though, um, just before we really get into this. That soul be about, train, uh, Vince Fountain. Oh, the soul train is the whitest soul that train. That was the saddest soul train I have ever seen in my entire life. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And I just, when I was watching, I felt my, like I felt part of me die a little because I was just like, I don't, I see what you're trying to do, and you are not pulling it off. You see what you're trying to do with how great Soul Train is, and like there's there's been other forms of like TV shows and movies that reference Soul Train. Like, I f- remember that, like, one Fresh Prince of Bel-Air mm-hmm. episode, uh, which was me and my siblings' favorite show to watch as um, growing up, when they had, like, the Soul Train reunion. If you're going to do a Soul Train-related thing, you have to do you it right. You do it right. And you know what you're doing, and you know your partner, and you you go all out. And I just, I've been a part of many Soul Trains in my day, and Same. watching that one truly just made me sad. Yeah. And that was the main thing that I took away from the entire school dance scene. There were some other things, obviously. But that was the first and primary thing. This is what when we get introduced to the biggest uh, predator oh, of the film, uh, Vince Fontaine. He was, and especially now, knowing that the actress played who played by, Marty... Uh, Ed Burns... Now, knowing that the actress who played Marty was also the youngest of the cast, it makes me even more uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Marty, the actress that played her, was 20, and Ed Burns, who played Vince uh, Fontaine, was 45. I just, the entire scene... But that, that that's, you know what, that's fine. There are consenting that's, that's adults, fine. that's yes. fine. The fact that she's playing a high schooler, and, and he is he's playing. like presumably the same age that he is... <laughs> yes. As a TV show host, it's like I want to get, I want to get with this high schooler. Yes, and and the entire scene, I just kept saying, and "She is Sonny a high school girl." Is so, and Sonny is so mad about it. He's oh, like yes. taking swigs of his drink, and I'm, uh, and he says at one point, "If you're, if if you like older guys, it's like, dude, you look forty. <laughs> like, like I thought, even though he's like, yeah, he was like thirty two, he was like still young, but. 
said from someone who's obviously not a high schooler. Yes. I'm still holding to that he was a narc the entire film. Oh, yes. They were undercover cops. There's no way. Who, but although he did spike the punch. With like half a shot of liquor. That is that is still he got not okay, Raven. He got... Ma- yes. But... Like, when I when I saw that, I was just like, there is maybe half a shot of liquor and that entire punch bowl, which is not not going to do anything, I would hope, to anybody. Yeah. And then, so we go through the dance before they're, like, actually, like, on the TV. At one point, Blanche is, like, wearing very Molly Ringwald kind of yes. prom dress. Yes. And it was just, like throwing herself at the band and she does the um it's an insult to the term but soul train dance with the bland uh football player mm-hmm. and i was like you can't be dancing you with cannot student, do that blanche. you are an administrator blanche you yeah you're what are you doing blanche i had high hopes for you although the entire movie uh they made it very clear that blanche did not give a single fuck so with her sticky ass pencils, <laughs> or her smudgy ass fingers. Oh God! I literally wrote the Nate the note Blanche. No, not a student. <laughs> I thought better of you. <laughs> it's like literally in my notes. Um, and so this is also like Kaneki brings Cha Cha, Rizzo brings Leo. Yep, his name is Leo. Um, uh, it's fine. Um. And then Sandy was like, oh, do you know her? And Danny was like, oh, a family friend. Which. And just like, obviously lying about yes. it. It's like, you don't have to do that. Like, y'all clearly like, slept together. Sandy's not a child. Yeah. It's fine. Obviously, from, I'm sure, everything you're hearing at school is Danny Zuko isn't the gentleman. Yes. He is a player. This would not be a surprise to you. You see the crowd he's with. And she clearly already suspects it. Yeah. Originally, um, Sandy wasn't supposed to be dancing at all. Oh. In the dance scene. Yeah, originally it was going to be strictly Danny and Cha-Cha. Oh. And I think this was like the longest part of the film. Yes. To film. That makes sense. I mean, dance scenes like that, especially like very large groups like are very difficult to choreograph and coordinate and make sure that like everyone's kind of together and on beat and everything's going correctly you know 100% so I think this is a good time to talk about Vince Fontaine um, being a sexual predator Mm -hmm. um, to Marty and the entire time he's just trying to dance with her yep and like this is on national television all of this is being filmed. Mm-hmm. And, like, on... And that, when they're on camera, um, there's, like... Like, after he stops talking or, like, introduces the, thing, the dance competition or whatever, there's, like, a very brief, like, they forget they are still on camera. And it's just, like... People saw that. Like, Stop harassing children, yep. please. Vince. Um, yeah. So many problems. So many issues with that. Ugh, it was so frustrating. And then they're, like, actually on camera. Like, before, they're, like, saying... It was like, oh, act your best, things like that. And then Danny and Sandy, obviously, are, like, very, like, featured in it. Because, like, he knows the guy. He knows the cameraman or whatever. 
And they're dancing, like, pretty well. Obviously, John Travolta is the better dancer than <laughs> Olivia Newton-John. Um, and I think it's, like, really goes well with the character of Danny. Where he just loses himself in the music. He loses <laughs> himself in the dance. Because all he wants to do is dance. He doesn't want to play sports. He doesn't get sports. He doesn't even care about cars, He really. has his cool friends that judges him. Yeah, he's the reverse Troy Bolton from High School Musical. And all he's trying to do is, like, express himself. And I don't think he should be faulted for that. Like, yes, does Cha-Cha, like, try to, like, snake away in there? And then Sandy leaves? Yes. But, like, you're in the middle well, of a Sandy's number. Well, Sandy's actually pulled so, like, away at first. Like, someone Yeah, and he was away. pulled away, too. Obviously, I think he uh, he could have pulled away from Cha-Cha. Yes. Like, with a little more strength. Uh, but, like... It's his life. He gets caught up in the number. It's it's his character. Uh, it's it's what he does. He is a patron of the dance floor. It is his craft. <laughs> it is what he does, Raven. And so he's going to finish the dance. Also, are we going to pour our third drink? Are you done with your second drink? Yep. I was done a few minutes ago. I finished at the same time that you did. No, because I saw you drink after me. Like, who are you trying to impress, Raven? We have no... No one's going to listen to this. <laughs> it's just going to be for us. There are who are you trying to zero impress? zero people listening to this except for my one friend who I forced to listen to the episodes. Uh, yeah, Sandy leaves. Danny and Cha-Cha win mm-hmm. the trophy or whatever. So we're at the drive-in now. And they're seeing the blob. Also, I mean, in the, Danny they, and Sandy are talking about. While they're coming into the drive-in, I love when Kaniki pulls up, and then he like gets through like buying the tickets and all that stuff, and like parks, and then just opens the trunk, and all the other T-birds jump out. I feel like that, oh yeah, more than anything else, demonstrates American culture in this movie. <laughs> it's the most high. It's the most high school thing they do in the movie. Absolutely. And then, uh, so, it's Sandy and Danny in the car together, and Sandy is like, yeah, I know you apologize, I heard your phone call, but she, like, still feels slighted, because, like, she knows there's, like, more going on. Yeah. The more that has happened with Cha-Cha and Danny, and I think she's very justified in her feelings Mm -hmm. with that, and then Danny, like, you know, takes his ring off comedically, and it's like, oh, take my ring. And Sandy's like, this is all I w- ever wanted. Now that I know you respect me. Just from getting a ring. And then he uh, is trying to non-conspicuously non-cons- tries to like rope her and stuff. And she was like, oh, she was like, you mm-hmm. think I'm going to like fuck in this shitty ass car? I have standards. Yeah, like she's like, I'm not about that. And I do not want that right now. Yeah. Which I'm like, hell yeah, girl. I'm with you, 100%. And then she, like, leaves and walks away. And she's like, you know what? No, I'm not dealing with this. Walks away and I'm like, hell yeah, girl. Be empowered. Get your shit, you know. Um, And then Danny proceeds to sing a song. Because he can't fuck. (laughs) That's like the entire song. And, like, it's emphasized (laughs) by, like, it's, like, the typical, um, like, refreshment station concession stand cartoon in the background and the end of the song the hot dog gets into the bun yes 
Like, how more <laughs> obvious can you get? Yeah. Which, again, is, like, Grease is, like, very parody, is a parody of, like, all these, you know, teenage romances, and, like, they just want to fuck. Like, that. that's what it all comes down to. Yeah. So, Danny kind of, like, not necessarily ruins his chance with Sandy, but there's, like, definitely tension and separation that comes from this. Till we get to the scene where, like, Grease Lightning is, like, ready to go. Their teacher is like, yeah, I'll join you in an illegal street race. That seems like something worth my qualifications. Mm -hmm. And then it comes to one of my favorite scenes of the movie (laughs) where Konecki and Danny... Oh, sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. At the drive-in, Rizzo, in confidence, tells Marty that she's pregnant. I'm sorry for getting ahead of myself. Yes. Yeah. And she doesn't actually yeah, she even like, say. She doesn't actually even say that she's pregnant. She's like, oh, I missed my period. And then Marty's and, just like, oh, immediately you tells you're everyone. pregnant? And Rizzo's just like, She's I like, mean, I can keep a secret. Literally everyone. Like, immediately yeah. you see it spread like wildfire. And it's just like, this poor girl. Although I do think it was kind of nice of Kaniki to like kind of walk up and then be like, "Hey, you know, is it mine?" Yeah, he was he was trying to be a good you know, guy about it, and Rizzo was like, this. just you know, obviously insecure, trying to protect herself. She was like, "I don't." Mm-hmm. She was like, "I don't yes. need you. This is my problem." And then she was like, "Oh, yeah." She was like, "It could be anyone." And no one said it was yours. And it's her uh, like refusing help from anyone. Yeah, and, and again, like, really kind of speaks to her character, how she's built up that wall. But truly on the inside, yeah. like, that's not necessarily the person she is. So, where are we at now? Okay, so... We're after the Sandy yeah. scene, so now we're into Thunder Now, scene. everyone... Yeah. Yeah, so we so they finish the modifications to the car, and Kaneki is, like, going to be the driver for Thunder Road, and he asks Danny, he's like, will you be my second? I guess, like, his backup... I- and then they have a moment I was there. To my friend, I've never known what that scene was supposed to mean because it felt like it had a deeper meaning. Like I felt like their words had a deeper meaning with the look, but I don't. Yeah, I think I think the look was like, "Hey, you you're my best friend. You know me. If this pregnancy is true, I have something that like I can't like put myself in danger. If it comes to it, can you do me the solid?" Okay, so I. I love you. I also thought that that scene and that look had something to do with the fact that Rizzo was pregnant, but I've never been able to exactly put my finger on what it was supposed to mean. You know what I mean? Like, there was obviously a meaningful look, but I've never been able to exactly figure out, like, what was the meaning. Because they seem to understand it perfectly. Honestly, honestly, they should have just made out. <laughs> they almost did. There was, you saw the moment there. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, if you're really a bro, like, you gotta kiss your homies <laughs> goodbye. And that's a oh fact, Josh. So, yeah, the teacher is like, oh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm, I'm definitely okay with this, like, um, stolen parts vehicle. Dangerous street racing. part in an uh, illegal street race. I will be there to yes. support you. Yeah. So, then the race happens. Um, Sandy's watching from you know, up upon the hill. And what Leo slash Craterface does a bad job at, he has these modifications to the Scorpion car. 
and he doesn't immediately go for the tires. No. He does not. If you're going to play dirty... He goes for, like... He goes... He goes for, go the for doors. Which is just, like... And also, it does such a good job ripping out the car door. You can easily go for the tires. Exactly. And... Also, to... bring a gun. <laughs> if there's Slow no down. rules... <laughs> They're like, the, the only rule is, like, there's no rules. Which is a, a line that I say, hate. <laughs> yeah, if, uh, the only rule is the no rules. But the rule is, whoever makes it to there and back wins. Which so is no rule. Yeah. So, then, Danny wins the race. Everyone's excited. Um, yeah, and so then oh, we see Sam. Hold on, hold on. We're, we're wrong. We're, we did something bad. What? Before Thunder Road... We do hear the song, There Are Worse Things I Can Do. <gasps> oh my god, how did I forget about that? How, what's wrong with us? That is one of my favorite songs in the entire movie. It's the, be- it's the, best, it's the best song in the movie. Okay. Okay, I think, I think I just forgot when Listeners, the scene happened. Listeners, comma, Raven and Campbell. We, we're going to backtrack. Yes, we're going to retcon our own podcast. Yes, and there's a scene where Rizzo is, like, walking around, and then a bunch of the girls and, like, Miss Vice President's like, that was the girl I was telling you about. And Sandy was like, hey, if you need anything, I know we're, like, not friends. Like, we're, we're not cool with each other. Yep. But, like, if you need anything, let me know, because I'm a nice person. And Rizzo was like, oh, I can take care of everything myself. Thank you, though. And then she goes in the song, There Are Worse Things I Could Do. Which, which is, is I think- the best song in the movie. Yes, because for one thing, and it will be the song Raven and I were playing to each other. Yes, attempting, attempting to play. I think that's the best attempting. way to say it. Yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah, you're, um, right. you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. For so many reasons, the two primary ones being like the song itself is just amazing in showing how someone can like build a wall around themselves and just like force themselves yeah. to be strong. Um, and not care about what other people are saying, even though, like, n- regardless of what anybody says, part of you always cares what other people think of you. Even if you're not the type of person oh, that yeah. lets that dictate what you do and how you behave and stuff like that, every person, to some degree, does care how they are viewed by other people, especially the people that they care about. Um, and yeah. also, because of that, the song also serves to give so much more insight into Rizzo's character, and this is truly... Even if you didn't catch up on, pick up on little cues earlier in the movie, this is truly where you see that Rizzo is not just her hard shell. She's not just some like badass chick who's just like, fuck it, I'm gonna do whatever I want. Like, no, like she has the soft side. She does care. She does have feelings and she does really just want love and to be loved. And yeah, this song will, is and will always be my favorite song from this movie. And I truly yeah, don't know how like, I forgot about the scene. Like, yeah, I'm very disappointed in ourselves, and I blame it on the al- 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 alcohol baby. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, hate you. I don't apologize for anything about. But there's like certain lyrics are like she was like I could basically sleep with everyone, mm-hmm. or like say I was going to sleep with everyone and then not do it, or I could stay home every day and wait around for Mr. Right. I could. Hurt someone like me out of spite, which she does. Yes. Because Kaneki is like her. But the worst thing that she could do... Is cry in front of you. Is is cry in front of you. Yeah. And admit her fault. Like, how she's scared into someone she cares about. Which is... 
makes Rizzo such a great character. Yes. And there are two parts of that song that I love deeply for two different reasons. So the first one is, yes, like this, the second part of um, kind of the, the first verse when she's saying, I could stay home every night, wait around for Mr. Right, um, and like waste my life away um, for a dream that won't come true. And I, I like that part because it kind of shows like, she's just like, hey i know who i am i know what i want and while i understand that people think i should be wholesome and pure and because i'm not like that or i choose to do the things that i want and be the person that i want to be people are going to look down on me but i'm not going yeah. to let that dictate my life i'm going to do things i want to do i'm going to live the life that i want to live even though it's not what society says i should be I love that song. I love those lyrics. Also, when she says, I don't steal and I don't lie, but I can feel and I can cry, a fact I'll bet you never knew. And that, those three lines right there to me is like, that is everything about Rizzo's character. And to me, it's like Rizzo is not a bad person. She just has a hard outer shell because she's been she's clearly been hurt before or at the very least expects to be hurt you know and she's just trying to protect herself from that but she's just like i am still a person with feelings and for you to ignore that and treat me like trash basically is just like you obviously don't see me as a person and i think this song does something very great because the actual song is in a six eight time signature mm -hmm. and songs in that time signature always to me are very to me it's very fringe waltzy yes because it's not a true waltz it's not too true waltz but it's very fringe of that so it's this kind of feeling of like one, two, three, one, two, three, like emotional, like carrying the song, but just outside of the norm and the traditional. Yes. And I think that's like a very powerful thing that the composers do for this song. This is the most, this is the song that is most unlike the other songs in the movie. Yes. Because, like, even the other songs and the other ballads are like, oh, I'm longing for someone. It's still, like, 3-4, four, 4-4, four, four, yes. kind of. Even, like, Sandy or... Uh, what does Sandy sing? Hopelessly um, Devoted to You. Hopelessly Devoted for You. That's still within the, quote-unquote, what we're deeming as norm mm -hmm. for a lot of these compositions. But this is the song where we really see like that variation and i think both from a literary standpoint like as uh like a storytelling standpoint and a musicality standpoint it's comes in full force which yes. makes it even more powerful of a i don't know it's just it's the best song in the musical yeah, and I I, th I think also, like, because up until this point, because of 
Rizzo and Sandy's relationship, it's easy to almost see Sandy or to not Sandy. It's easy to almost see Rizzo as not necessarily the villain, but like a villain in the movie, like an antagonist. Because if you think of the main characters as being Sandy and Danny, then like it's easy to see Rizzo as sort of an antagonist to Sandy because she's like making fun of her and like all this other stuff. And I think this song in particular really solidifies like this story is also about Rizzo. Like she's also developing and growing and she's also her own person and she there's a reason she is like this, you know, and it's not just because she chooses to be mean and caustic and all that stuff. It's because she's also been hurt and she is choosing to try to protect herself from the world rather than expose herself to more raw vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. So and that just, is our discussion of what we should have talked about beforehand yes before the race the race is over danny wins <laughs> and then we see sandy and sitting off on the sidelines which who she's saying she sings oh look at me i'm sandra d like a reprise of it mm -hmm. and it's you know she's singing it she was like oh look at me i am very flat as a character <laughs> yes i there's a I, like you're laughing but like she literally is like there's a lot of things i feel and want to do but i'm just not doing yeah and, and she, I need to she literally that. says like uh like i think like lonely and unsure and basically she just comes to her yeah. like yeah like i just i don't know what i'm doing and i'm too afraid to step outside of my comfort zone and actually be somebody good thing the friends she's made along the way in <laughs> greece are the most outgoing and unique individuals to help with that they're so very she's like, dynamic frenchy frenchy i got a plan you you gotta need to help me out with this mm-hmm and she's like oh yeah sure and then we're at the carnival which is like a pretty nice car carnival for like the end of the school year never had anything like that but um while we make our next drink um number so this four. is the point where yeah number four is this only number four i I've honestly lost count, but it's either number four or number five. That is the most gin I have poured for one of these. <laughs> uh, so at this point, so we see uh, Raven enough. Uh, we see Danny in his Letterman uh, sweater talking to the T-Birds that have to like complete summer school to graduate. But he was like, I'm changing myself for Sandy. This is what I'm going to do. Then all of a sudden... Yes. Out of nowhere, mm -hmm. do we see Olivia Newton-John strutting her stuff. She was like, you know what? I will have a personality. I will have character development. And she lets uh, Frenchie, like, you know, do her up. And she would be the female version of a greaser yes. in the movie. And then all of a sudden, Danny's like, who cares about the development I've been making? I'm just horny. I'm all about this. <laughs> which leads us into the next song. Which, which is, is just about how horny they are. Yes. Um, but I think it's interesting because... so Okay, so one of the things I like about this show... So I've, I've heard some people that don't like this part of Greece um, criticize this being, oh, like, Sandy's just trying to like, 
change for Danny and trying to be like a bad girl, like blah blah blah. But the thing I actually really like about not, this, like, it's, it's, it's not that. Like, I think it's really about Sandra finding her confidence. Did you just call her Sandra? That's her name, Sandra D. Look at me, I'm Sandra D. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but that Continue. is that is the thing I actually really like about this is like it's not just like, oh, I wanna be the girl that Danny wants. It's also about like this is like I'm finding my confidence. I've realized that a yeah. lot of the difficulties I've had over the past few months have been because I am unsure and I am vulnerable and I am insecure and I am not confident myself and I want to find my confidence. I want to be confident. And this is her way of doing that. And she kind of like leans on Frenchie and leans on the other peak ladies. And like, even when, when Danny first approaches her and just like, wowza, you're hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you can see her kind of look back at Frenchie and them like a little uncertainly. And then she like, she takes a pause and then like responds with her line in the song which i think it's just like tell me about it stud <laughs> yes and it's just like that is her being like you know what i can do this i can be i can be whoever i want to be i can be this girl you know what i mean and i think this is so great because it like turns completely upside down the typical you know like naive like wholesome girl with this bad boy guy and the guy's like you know what i'll change for her and he's actually a good guy yeah it's like this wholesome girl is like you know what i could do whatever i want you know what i'm a bad bitch i'm a bad bitch savage <laughs> <laughs> so the next song is you know a very like you know everyone knows the song from the musical it's i think it's one of the most well-known songs from greece yeah you're the one that I want. And they like, you're the one that I want. And they also sing in the Shake Shack, which um, yeah. I assume everyone thought they got it on in. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then we get into the final song of the musical, which first off, they were ready for. It was basically, it was like, oh, we're graduating. We're all going to leave each other. How do we know we're still going to be close? it's like, oh, you want to know? Five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> and then they have a stroke. They literally <laughs> have a stroke. <laughs> For all of we go together. Just like collective stroke. Yeah, they're just like cannot articulate actual sentences that they're speaking <laughs> to each other. I think like, for, for anyone to, who has not seen together. it. Yes. Yeah. For, for anyone who has not seen it, the, like, the first line is literally... We go together like Shamalama Lama, comma ding dong or something like that. Like you're unwell. <laughs> like this, these are not words in the English language, and I need you to know that. Um, but also that scene, because it kind of made me barf a little bit in my mouth. Um, I have never seen Grease two, but I can only hope that it starts with the end of that song which immediately cuts to and then they all broke up and you do know like in Greece 2 a lot of the actors did not come back to reprise their roles a lot I was of not the writers I've never seen it have said I do not support I do not support this oh really? so yeah that'll give you a kind of a vibe for Greece 2 but they're just collectively stroking out. Yeah. In this song. 
Um, this song is basically like the core of it's like, yeah, we're on the same page. We're going to be friends forever and stuff. It's not executed greatly. Nope. But that's fine. And it ends with Danny and Sandy getting in the car, driving off, apparently into the sky. Yes. <laughs> Which is funny because John Travolta has a jet license. So does. Like he's, he has a license and is authorized to fly aircrafts. So does the composer of Greece. He also is a licensed pilot, which I found very interesting. Interesting. Yeah, actually, I guess while we're on that subject, I guess while we're on the subject, we could talk a little bit about the composer and the lyricist. In, in this case, okay, so I was really excited about the composer of Anastasia. This one's slightly less, um, but the lyricist, I find actually more interesting than the composer himself. So the composer was Michael Gibson, who is um, obviously a musician. He's a trombonist, actually, plays trombone. And um, oh, trombone's so much fun to play. I would not know, but I can imagine. Um, yeah, so the composer is Michael Gibson. Um, he actually began as a studio musician in New York City and worked with James Brown, apparently, which I found very interesting. Oh! I love James Brown, as That's anyone should. That's so cool! Yes. Um, but the he was also nominated twice for like um, Tony Awards for Best Orchestrations, which I'm just like, you know what? Go you, Michael Gibson. Um, but the lyricists were John Kander and Fred, I hate you, were John Kander and Fred Ebb, who apparently are like quite a pair, like they like work together all the time and worked with Michael Gibson on a few other things as well. But John Kander is a composer and Fred Ebb is a musical theater lyricist. And so they frequently work together um, on a bunch of different projects. So just a couple of things that they work together on. Um, the musical Chicago, I believe together, they basically wrote the lyrics for all oh. of it. Which um, is, you, Cabaret, you which is how... also a very popular musical. Uh, yes. You're saying like some of the best. Uh, also, Raven. for um, Scorsese's film, New York, New York, they wrote the titular song and the most well-known song, New York, New York. Um, so just those works alone, they are amazing. Um, they also frequently wrote for Eliza Minnelli and Cheetah Rivera. Um, also, Candor alone has won three Tonys, two Emmys, two Grammys, and the Laurence Olivier Award. And then together, they've won another five Tonys, two Oscars, and four Golden Globes. So just, they they are an amazing pair. And actually, like, it was funny because when I was, when I was looking up the list of like their works, like I was looking at a John Candor uh, informational page, and... It was less like, oh, hey, here are all the things that he and Fred Ebb have worked together on. It literally said every single one of these projects was with was in collaboration with Fred Ebb unless otherwise specified. So basically all of their almost all of their professional work yeah. has been together, which I find really awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings us to the end of Greece. Finally, it's Raven, been quite a while. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about this for hours. Um, how would you rate the film? Mm. I would say as a film overall, like a 7 out of 10. There were definitely That's things- pretty high. 
there are things some things that could be I like Greece overall. I understand a lot of the criticisms and stuff like that of it, but overall I actually really like Greece the film. There are definitely things I think yeah. could have been better, but I I think it's mostly like the musical piece with the exception of Sandy. Every other piece I truly love. Like there's no other piece of the of the musical that I don't like. And I think the character development, especially with Rizzo, is just amazing. Yeah, I would agree. I would great. I would rate it uh, more like a five out of ten. Fair enough. But I but I like it. I dig it. Yeah. In fact. So at this point, Raven and I are going to finish our drinks. Mm-hmm. And then to each other, and to each other alone, we are going to play for each other. There are worse things I could do. Yep. Uh, Raven on the violin, me on the bassoon. And we'll come back to talk about how bad it is. <laughs> if yes. that's a fair it certainly will be bad. It will be, especially because uh, Raven has the easy part this week because I like like worked on the arrangement, and like she just has the melody, and I was trying to be like interesting for like musicality's sake. You know, I believe that similar to theater, in music there are no I can't, easy parts. Just, there are I, no there are I hate no what easy you're about parts. To say. This is disgusting. <laughs> you literally said similar <laughs> to theater, and you immediately lost me. <laughs> There are no easy parts in music. There are no simple parts, only simple players. You're going to see the difference in our parts, and you're going to (laughs) think otherwise. (laughs) This is going to be interesting. Okay, cool. See y'all soon. Okay, so I played every single note wrong. That's so funny because I was on point. You were like the only thing I, the only thing I think I was off on maybe was, um, for that E was like the length that I played it, but every like everything I, I was on everything point. you did very well. You have the easy part. You are correct. I did very well because I am a beautiful violinist. Let's do that again, but I will only play the first note of each measure. <laughs> So it actually like, sounds like music. Because <laughs> I'm understanding my capabilities in this state. And it's bad. It's bad. Well, you're already... Because, yeah, you're already out of practice. With, like, at the very least, I played the violin last week when we did this for Anastasia. But you have, probably haven't played the bassoon in a while. So, like, there's that. It's been and years. And then also you have a difficult part. Yeah. Okay. Let's do that again. But I will only play, like, the first notes of each other <laughs> measure. That's fair. Okay. One, two, okay. three, two, two, three. Yeah, there was, that was bad for me in all respects. Okay, so... Um, okay, I was I was off on a couple of notes as well. Uh, but you, you, like, I was the worst on that one. And I will admit to everyone, I played that That's fair, but also, Raven. I see your point. I see your point in that 
I do have a much easier part than you do. Like looking at it, it may or may not seem like that because I have a lot of like extended notes and like I have a lot of eighth notes as well. But like you truly do have the harder part of the two of us. Yeah. So. Okay. So now. Wait, wait. Where where are you? I'm finishing this. Trip. Oh, I'm only halfway through. You do I need to chug it? I can finish this in one in one sip. So yes. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Do you want to make another one before we do our next attempt? Are we gonna do another attempt? Do we want to? I don't think I can do better. I think I will continue to do worse because my second attempt was actually worse than my first. Like, you sounded really good. Now, this is, I assume, oh, is like the non-edited part of it. You sounded yes. really good. I think how you played is very in theme of what the music's about. And so, like, that kind of, like, insecurity... It's like, there's worse mm -hmm. things I can do, and everything's just like, oh, the the next thing I can do that's bad is something I already did. That's something that's core to me. Mm -hmm. But it's her realizing that, like, she's not a bad person. And the worst thing I can do is not trust the people that care about me. That's fair. But I think it's interesting, like, watching you play bassoon, because, like, so for any of our listeners, if we have any, uh, that don't know, a bassoon is, and Campbell, you can correct me on this, but bassoon is a double reed instrument, yes. which makes it inherently harder than just a woodwind or a reed instrument like um, clarinet. So I actually, um, Campbell tried to teach me clarinet for a short period of time and gave me his clarinet to practice. And being a string player, who has never played any sort of breath-controlled instrument in their life, uh, playing something like clarinet that has a reed is very, very difficult because there's so much force that you have to put into the breath and there's, there's a lot of control that goes into it. Um, and there's similar to like being on the violin and like very, like obviously violins are very like high shrill instruments if you don't play them correctly. Woodwind instruments are very similar where like if you don't play them correctly, you will shriek and it will not sound good. Um, so learning that and learning how to control that is very important for woodwinds and with an instrument like bassoon that has a double reed instead of just a single reed, it's even harder. So um, especially like, to me, Campbell, for, for you to be able to pick up the bassoon after so long really not playing it the way you used to and be able to play it to any decent degree like yeah you weren't at like professional symphonic level but you were you were decent like you sounded good and so for you to be able to just like pick it up and like play it randomly honestly means to me that you were inherently just a very good player like you're a very good musician and listeners, this will be put in the podcast because it's one of the few times Raven compliments me. So, thank Fuck you. you. <laughs> also, given that we have finished our actual playing, do we want to pour another drink to now consume while we review our playing? Okay, one more drink. 
but how long the are these episodes I've be? poured? Which this is the most gen I've put in any of these drinks, and it is our sixth one? Question mark. Fifth. Six. This is fifth. this is not our fifth. This has to be our sixth. Yeah. This is like this drink. I'm almost. I almost feel bad that I decided on the gin and sin for this episode because this drink is dangerous. Like, I mean, I was definitely drunker. It's a, it's hard to distinguish because the clarinet is objectively easier than the bassoon. But I wasn't able to play the music more this week than last week. I would say the same. Well, okay, well, I would say this week, it's hard. It's also hard for me to judge as well because this week's music, like, my part in the music was easier than it was last week. Like, I had the easier part for You're this welcome. Week, so, thank you, because I'm not very good at the violin. For um, the one arranging the music each week. Yes, Campbell does do the arrangements, um, and I'm not very good at the violin. So I'm glad that I had the easier part. Um, but I would say I, I definitely had an easier time playing this week, which makes sense because my part was easier. I don't, I don't think it had anything to do with how inebriated I was because I am I feel more drunk than I was last week. Oh, because we drank more, Raven. Like, I feel like at this point in the last episode, I was just like very tipsy. I was like entering the realm of being officially inebriated but this time i am there is there are no questions i am i am drunk yes <laughs> i hate you so much in conclusion <laughs> greece i feel like we both enjoyed it um, overall as yes a, as a musical i mean like a lot of the musicality of it was like the same kind of like same kinds of songs and like the same kind of theme so mm-hmm. i rank it like a five six out of ten and raven earlier rated it like a seven out of ten but which like, i think is primarily because like i put a lot of stock in the songs themselves and i really really enjoyed them and i think i think the the movie if it was a movie by itself I wouldn't enjoy it as much, but the lyricism and the musicality of the songs themselves really is what pushes it over the edge for me. Yeah. So, thank you for listening to This Week of Boozicals. Assuming that anyone is listening. Raven and I definitely need to eat something and take a nap, like last week. Absolutely. Because we are... Feeling it. Oh, that's and so also bad. The string is th- I took a and sip. Also I, the string is delicious. And you except except when you like don't do the proportions right, and it's just gin strictly. And oh, whose so fault bad. is that, Campbell? It's mine. Whose fault is that? It's yes, mine. And thank you is. for listening to Boozicals. Um, we'll see you next week. Oh God, this is so bad. <laughs> this is my own. Bye. Bye.